Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about the coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest cozy mystery releases. We'll be diving into the latest episode after these quick messages, so grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. If you want to help support the podcast, be sure to join our Patreon. We have different tiers to choose from to get weekly exclusive episodes, membership in our book club, and podcast merch. You can even choose the coziest supporter tier and receive a monthly Get Cozy book box, which includes one paperback copy of your choice from a selection of books by Get Cozy podcast guest authors. To join, visit patreon.com slash getcozypodcast. And if you want to donate to the show on a one-time or recurring basis, you can do that via Venmo at GetCozyPod. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're using right now and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for your support. You listeners are the heart of the show and I couldn't do any of it without you. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. Welcome to what I am sure is going to be a very fun episode of Get Cozy Podcast because we have the author of Renovated to Death here with us today, which just so happens to be the book that I've had the most fun reading all year. Frank Anthony Polito is an award-winning author and playwright. He published his first young adult novel in 2012. He grew up in the Detroit suburb of Hazel Park. He received his BFA in theater from Wayne State University and his MFA in dramatic writing from Carnegie Mellon. He resides in Pleasant Ridge with his partner, Craig Bentley, and of course, his debut cozy is out now. I am so excited to have him as a guest today. So welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is definitely my pleasure. I am so excited about this episode and discussion But before we dive in, let's start by having you tell our listeners what Renovated to Death is all about. Uh, Renovated to Death, uh, it's my debut cozy mystery. It's book one in the Domestic Partners in Crime mystery series. And in the book, uh, there's a queer millennial couple, Peter P.J. Penwell, and his partner, John Paul J.P. Broadway. So we have P.J. and J.P., Um, A bit confusing, but I really tried to make it clear in the writing. Um, And the guys, they were living in New York, uh, which is where they met. PJ Peter is a best-selling young adult mystery author. And um, JP is an actor. He had a bit part on a successful TV cop show. uh, And they met five years ago. They've been together for five years but they're, you know, now in their mid-30s and they realize New York is hard, it's expensive. Even though they've had successes, you know, they're few and far between. And uh, Peter, who is from Michigan, discovers that you can buy a house in the Detroit suburbs for um, and have a mortgage that's less than your monthly rent on a tiny, tiny apartment in New York. So they move back to Michigan And um, but one of the things that gives them the impetus to do so is they buy this house, this 1920s craftsman colonial house that they decide they're going to renovate. And one of JP's um, 
friends, who is a TV producer, gets this idea that they could have their own home renovation TV show where they chronicle this experience of um, renovating this house together. Um, they're two good-looking guys and, um, you know, eye candy for the millions of straight female viewers and gay men who watch <laughs> home design television. Uh, so they do that. And they on season one, they renovate their house. The show, the show is a success. When, when this book opens, um, it's the summer before they're getting ready to tape season two, and they've lost the house that they were supposed to renovate. So a friend, a neighbor, uh, introduces them to a guy who uh, lives in town. He and his twin brother, um, Tom and Terry Cash, they're twin brothers, 50 years old. They have this house that they grew up in, but it's been sitting empty since their parents died 25 years ago um, in a terrible accident. And the house has been sitting empty, unchanged. Um, and so Tom, the brother, says, you know, offers them the opportunity to renovate this house. Um, he's a gay man. He owns a, a very popular nightclub where they do drag queen karaoke, which they call queerioke on the weekends. Um, and he offers them the house and just before they can start filming, they go over to take a look, uh, and they find poor Tom lying dead at the bottom of the staircase. Uh, of course, nothing like this ever happens in Pleasant Woods. It's a safe, quaint little suburb. And so the police, of course, rule it an accident. Oh, he must have slipped on that janky floorboard mm -hmm. and fell down, broke his neck. Um, but the partners, soon start to realize that Tom has some enemies. He has a string of ex-boyfriends. Um, he's known for dating men in their late 20s, and once they hit 30, he tosses them aside. So there's a string of jilted lovers. And then there's a subplot that I particularly enjoy where they decide they want to adopt the dog, mm -hmm. and they find this cute little beagle pit bull puppy named Clyde uh, on a rescue website. Uh, and so they go and see him and they do their best to uh, adopt him and make them a part of make him a part of their family. Yeah. And I I love literally everything about this book from the characters to the relationships and the charming, inclusive community and especially the the pupper subplot. That was so great. And then you do also just have that twisty, fun murder mystery. And it was such a great like feel good read just from start to finish. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, um, this is my debut and I've never written a cozy mystery before. Um, I've actually never written a book where the characters were over the age of, I think, like 22. Mm -hmm. uh, my other books, they're in high school and one of them, they're in college. Uh, but I just felt like I, I didn't feel the pressure. I felt the pressure to, you know, I know there are certain things in cozy mysteries that you need to include and character types and Right. Um, settings, but I just really wanted to write a book like all the other books I've written. And then someone just happens to die. And then we got to figure it out who did it. Exactly. Uh, so I didn't like, I did, you know, I'll be honest. I watched a lot of episodes of murder. She wrote, mm -hmm. uh, I read, uh, I got a stack of cozy mysteries and I read through them, you know, to see, what they were, ha things they had in common and things that I liked about them and things that I didn't like. 
Um, you mentioned that I have a degree in dramatic writing, which mm -hmm. means for anyone who's not sure, it means I write plays and I write screenplays. And we have a thing, you know, where we say, show, don't tell. Right. And I found a lot of the cozy mysteries I would read, like someone would die on page five. Mm -hmm. we do, and we'd learn who that person is sort of by name and maybe what they did. And, and then over the story, we learn like why people didn't like them or we learn about the things they did. But I really wanted to like show you that character. I wanted you to get to know the victim mm -hmm. beforehand and get to know the people who have their grudge against him. So, you know, in my book, the murder doesn't take place until around page 100 out of 300 because I had to have all of that that build up. And I did feel a little pressure, like, oh, are the readers going to stick with me for 100 pages? But mm -hmm. um, my editor assured me that they would, and I trust him. And so uh, that's what we got. Yeah. And I like I personally like it better when the authors take their time getting to the murder. Um, just because, like you said, we don't get to know the the victims or like the potential suspects usually until after the murder occurs. And this one, I felt like such a, a larger emotional impact when the murder happened because we knew the victim, we knew the suspects already. So we were so much more invested when it happened. Well, I'm glad you say that. Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad you got it because that's what I, that's what I was going for. You know, and I think the unfortunate thing about cozies is usually the person who dies is not likable. Mm -hmm. They're not well-liked because why else would someone kill them? But I try to, like, give them some kind of human emotion. And um, he has a relationship he's in mm -hmm. before he dies, and it's a pretty good relationship. And I'm hoping that, you know, when he dies... Um, Readers, even if they don't like him very much, they might feel the loss that his partner is feeling when he loses him. Yeah, exactly. Because he is like a fully developed character. And yes, he is certainly flawed, uh, but you do understand him as a person. You feel the loss that his partner experiences. And I, I thought that was great. I'm glad that you made that decision. But I thought it was great. And I almost fell off my sofa when I made it to the end of the novel and uh, I read the acknowledgments and found out that you were actually on an episode of House Hunters with your partner. And I am like such a huge fan of HGTV. So I just stopped everything, tracked down the episode on Amazon and watched it with my hubby. And uh, so I was just wondering what that experience was like and how it helped to inspire Renovated to Death. Um, well, it was super fun. Uh, when Craig and I were living in New York and we decided we were going to move back to Michigan and buy a house, um, we, I, I don't, I'll say we had never really watched HGTV. HGTV. I would watch occasionally when I would come home for visits. My mother has always had it on and I would watch, um, especially my favorite rehab addict, Detroit with Nicole Curtis because mm -hmm. she's from here and she's always doing great things for Detroit. Um, so I would always watch that. But once we decided we were going to buy our own house, we were like, well, we need to check out this show house hunters. Yeah. So like every day we would race home from work and we would sit in our tiny little apartment. And I think we actually had to watch on a laptop because we didn't have cable and there was no streaming at the time. Um, so we would watch episode after episode of house hunters 
just to kind of get ourselves in the mindset of what it's going to be like to buy a house. And then somehow, I'm trying to remember, we saw like, you can apply to be on House Hunters. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, we should do it thinking we'll never get picked because how, you know, millions of people must apply to be on there. And, and to be perfectly honest, and I don't know why I thought this because I'm a little bit older and I grew up in a world that was not very um, kind to gay people. I thought they're not going to want to have a gay couple on (laughs) not realizing, you know, HDTV is, and it shows are very gay friendly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we applied, we sent in an application and I really honestly thought I would never hear back or they would just say, thank you. No, thank you. But they actually got back to us and said that they were interested and um, they made us do a little video where we went around the apartment we were living in talking and you know we filmed each other like this is our dining room and mm-hmm. what i really like in this room is this and this okay. what i really hate about this dining room is this and this and um so that was fun and then they picked us and so we made our plan and we came back to michigan and we got together with this um tv crew which was really just a cameraman and a sound person an intern and a director Uh, And we looked at a bunch of houses and they filmed us and then they, uh, you know, picked the three that they wanted to showcase. And one of them is the one that we, you know, decided we wanted to buy. And it was just super fun. It was super fun. You walk into a room and they just turn the cameras on and you just talk and you talk about what you like and what you don't like. And then when you're all done, they'll say, okay, now we're going to shoot it from a different angle. And remember when you said that, make Mm -hmm. sure you say that again. Or did, was there anything you forgot to say? You can say it now, you know. So for us, it was like we were in a movie that uh-huh. was House Hunters. And we had to keep reminding ourselves, like, um, we're going to be on House Hunters. Cause yeah. It wasn't because we had it was like we had seen the show and we loved the show. So that made it even more like unbelievable that it was actually going to happen. Uh, and then it took forever for the episode to come out. And then once it finally did, some neighbors um, who have a big house on the other side of Pleasant Ridge uh-huh. threw a party for us. And there was probably like, I don't know, 30, 50 people, friends and family. And it was like Monday at 10 o'clock, which was a terrible time for people who have real jobs and have to work. But we had this party and we got to be in some of the local newspapers. And it was just really, really, really super fun. And um, I'm so glad we got to do it. How cool is that? Like, I I love that you got to have that experience and then you kind of turned that experience into a cozy mystery novel, which is just so fun for us. Um, So they they show you more than three, but they only show us three options on the show. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, we looked at um, like, I think 10 houses, maybe 12 houses. Um, And we were and we were not living here yet. So we had to do it all like in a week and it was very, very um, crazy. And then once um, we, we decided which house we were going to buy, then we moved back. And a few months later, we, they came back and they showed us like at the end, like now we've painted this room and now we've got this new furniture. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately we didn't do a whole lot in that short time span, but they did, you know, come back and check in on us and, and that was fun. Um, and then I forgot you had just asked about, so what? So how did that experience lead me to writing this book? Yeah. Um, well, the house 
is, um, I don't call it a fixer upper, but like it needed some fixing up. It's a 1924 house. We are only the third owners. So fortunately, there hadn't been a lot of families going through it in the last almost 100 years. When we bought it, it was almost 90 years old. There had only been a few families here. So there wasn't that opportunity for generations of people to destroy the house, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, So we have all the woodwork is natural. Um, It's the natural stained brown, except one room. Um, I can't remember if on the House Hunters episode we show it, but we probably did because I said something like, what would possess someone to paint over natural wood? Yeah. But they did. They did in one room and they used lead paint. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm ever going to get it off. But um, so we just basically spent the last, um, you know, going on nine years uh, just making the woodwork that was already there look nicer. Like it had like this, the finish was all old and crackled and faded and so i removed a lot of it i stripped it off and then put on a fresh coat of stain and and uh put on a fresh couple coats of polyurethane um we have what you call a picture rail and it goes along it's not it's kind of like crown molding but it doesn't touch the ceiling it it's about three or four inches below the ceiling and it's literally for hanging pictures on you get these little hooks and you attach wire to the picture and you can hang them on the picture rail so that you don't have to put holes in your wall. Oh, cool. And all of the picture rails were painted over because um, it's just, you know, easier to just paint up the whole wall all the way to the right, top. Right, than to like tape uh, it and do it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I discovered that there was only uh, like two layers of paint on it. And so I got a heat gun and a little putty knife and just scraped it all off and and then used some paint stripper to clean it up and and redid it and now i'm looking at it right now i'm standing in our sunroom uh and i just love it it just gives that like pop of brown color at the top of the of the room that just makes it feel even more historic than it already had that's so cool. And I love um, on your Instagram how you've been posting lately some kind of like before and after pictures of the, the, the renovations that you've done yourself in the house, which is really fun and, you know, also very on brand now for you as an author. Yeah, it all just kind of worked out. And I keep not answering your question. So what happened was uh, 2020, I was unemployed um, and I got a um, I say I got a call, but it was probably an email. But I heard from my editor in New York, and I hadn't written a book in almost 10 years. Uh, and he said, we've got this idea. We'd like to have a publish a cozy mystery with a gay couple uh-huh. who solved the, mis- you know, the crimes together. And, you know, we know you. We know that you and Craig moved back to Michigan and you bought this house that you're renovating. And so we think that that would make for a really good idea for a story if these guys had like a home renovation TV show. Yeah. Um, do you think you would be interested in writing something like that? Uh, and, you know, using your experience as someone, you know, we don't unfortunately have our own home renovation TV show, but we know a lot about um, doing home renovation. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, why not? You know, like as a writer, you write what you know and um, it makes it a lot easier to do that. Yeah. You know, if someone, if he asked me to write, you know, a cozy mystery about, I don't know, 
guys who are professional athletes, I would probably pass because <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Um, and so it's been fun. And in the book, um, I, you know, the house they live in in the book is the house we live in. Uh, so I describe the house and mm-hmm. people get to know what our house is like. And I talk about the antique furniture that we've purchased over the years. And um, my hope is that people will read the book and then they'll go and look at the pictures I've posted online and then they'll actually get to see what the house you know looks like or they'll find the house centers episode and they'll see what it looked like before when all the walls were gray and I think they were all gray and one floor they were all white and you know it was very like move in ready and we didn't like that so we added color and cleaned everything up and little by little it's all coming together and we're super super excited we're going on nine years can't even believe it that's awesome. And I'm sure some of our listeners are definitely going to want to go watch the episode that you're on after they listen to this. So I did just want to mention um, that if you look up House Hunters on Amazon, it is season 86, episode 7. It took us a while to track it down, um, but it's it's really, really fun. So you should all definitely watch it. Yeah, I'm so glad you were able to find it because I've searched and searched. You know, we have a DVD they gave us uh-huh. um, and we watch, we watch it like once a year on around the time that we bought our house just for fun and just to remind ourselves like, oh, wow, it really did does yeah. look so much better now. But I know like people have asked me and I haven't really been able to point them in the direction of being able to find it. Yep, season 86, episode 7. It It is tricky to find, but like once you once you type that all in, it just pops right up. And it's so much fun to see, especially like either before or after you read the books, you can like actually kind of see the setting. It's just so much fun. So you mentioned that you hadn't started watching uh, home renovation shows really until you decided to uh, apply to be on House Hunters yourself and we're going to go house hunting. So do you watch them now? And if so, what are some of your favorites? Um. Not currently, I don't. But the last year, I watched. Uh, well, I when I, I know Rehab Addict has a new one coming out. I think in July, so I'll definitely be watching that. Nice. But I also we watched one last um, winter, maybe this within the last year. I believe it was called Inside Outside or In Slash Out. It's something to do with in and something to do with out. Uh-huh. Where there's two guys. They're like best friends and um, one is straight, one is gay. So they're sort of like opposites right from the get go. And one and the the couple has a house and they basically have a budget and they decide they're going to give percentage of the budget to fixing up the inside or percentage to the budget fixing up the outside. Um, And the two guys pitch the ideas to the couple. This is what I could do if I have this amount of money. This is what I could do if I have this amount of money. And then, um, you know, then they do the project, depending on if they choose inside or outside as the most um, primary, you know, focus. And of course, every episode, literally, I kid you not, every episode, they get a phone call and they're like, the main beam in the in the roof, (laughs) in the ceiling cracked, you know, we got to get a new one and we're going to (laughs) be. We're going to be $10,000 over budget. Right. Can you can you handle it? Every episode, something goes wrong. But it's fun. And, you know, we really like, and I think like everybody else, we like to watch these shows because it inspires us. You know, we may not have the exact same house that they're, the couple on the TV are living in or the same taste or the same whatever, 
But it's like, oh, we could do that or we could do that or that looks really great or oh my God, why did they do that? Right. That looks terrible. <laughs> and then we know like we're never going to do that. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just fun. Yeah. And I think also I grew up watching my dad like, no, my dad is, he's another story like love him to death but you know his nickname is tightwad he's very cheap (laughs) he likes to save his money for important things and anything else he can do himself he does it but i remember like watching him you know he would take come home from where after working all day long and eat dinner and then he's in the room taping it off and you know priming it and painting it and taking he would take all the moldings off actually he wouldn't i don't even think he would tape them off he would literally take them off the wall because he didn't want to get paint on them. Uh-huh. But just watching him take the pride and the care uh, to do it himself. And then so I sort of was inspired, you know, by him. And I feel like maybe I got that gene in yeah. me from him because, you know, he could do it. And and I'm an artistic, creative person mm-hmm. in many, many, many ways. There's something to me like I'm standing on this floor that's right. 90 years old you know and it's I, I take a lot of pride in the original like mm-hmm. saying it's the original yeah you know? it's like the history like, of the house yeah and we have these um you know light switches and when I first moved in I ordered all these new light switches like the actual little thing you flip I ordered mm-hmm. a whole bunch of new ones and in our bedroom I swapped it out and but in all the other rooms, like the room I'm standing in now, they have the old 1920s light switches. And when you turn it on, like, I don't know if you can hear this, but it makes this like... Oh, yeah, I can hear it. It makes this noise. Uh-huh. And the new one I put in is just like very silent. Mm-hmm. And something about that noise of like hearing that pop of the electricity turning on. So I'm kind of um, kicking myself for switching out the one. And I'm hoping that I have the original downstairs in a box somewhere. Um, and I think I'm going to put it back uh-huh. because why, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why did I think I needed new? Right. It's just part of the, the charm of the house. Yes. Yeah. Charm is the key word. You know, I grew up going to my grandmother's house um, and she, it was a 1915 um, colonial kind of Cool. house with wood and a staircase and all like that stuff and I think that's maybe what put this it ingrained that in me but yeah. I just love it and so another thing I wanted to talk to you about is I do read obviously a lot of cozies and this is only the second cozy mystery that I found that has a main character who identifies as being part of the LGBTQIA plus community. So I was wondering if you have any queer book recommendations that you'd want to share with our listeners. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I thought that too. Like I did some, started doing some research when I was writing this, uh-huh. like especially for other types of mystery, cozy mysteries that have renovation involved just to see what they were like and I didn't want to totally copy and literally every book I would find is by a female author featuring a female main character Uh Um, so at first I thought I was like oh am I am I the first and then I learned that I'm not the first thankfully but I'm one of only one of a few Uh and there was actually a good uh, there was a good article post on a site called book riot a few oh, yeah, months ago mm-hmm. about the quozy q-u-o-z-y the quozy mystery and how these new mysteries are being written with these um gay 
queer LGBTQ characters. And that post was actually written by a guy named Rob Osler, O-S-L-E-R. And he has a new book that came out called The Devil's Chew Toy. Um, And I'll be totally honest, I have not read it yet. It's on my TBR. As soon as I get a break from writing, I can do some reading. But, you know, it's about a guy, and I believe, because I read, like, the first chapter on a sample. He's a gay man, and he meets this, like, go-go boy at a bar, and they go home together. But still in a very tasteful, cozy kind of way. Nothing scandalous, nothing, you know, overtly sexual or offensive. But uh, And then the go-go boy, you know, ends up dead. And Mm -hmm. that just, it's, like, a lot of fun because it's, like, you know, kind of like the book I wanted to write, where it's just a fun book with gay characters but then there's a murder mystery right so then there's that one there's another one it's not out yet it's coming out next spring i believe um so we'll give it an early plug the author's name is cj connor and um i'll be perfectly honest i think cj connor might be um identify as he they so i don't want to use the wrong pronoun Uh um but it's a book called Bored to Death, and it actually sounds like it could be part of my series. But um, the the main character, like, works in a board game oh. or owns, like, a board game store. Fun. Um, so that's – I had that on my radar, and that's um, going to be a lot of fun. Definitely. And, I mean, this book is just, without a doubt, on my top 10 list for the year, and I had so much fun reading. And one of the things I really enjoyed were the character names. And, you know, I definitely donned my sleuthing cap and noticed that the surnames were all representative of the characters, right? So, like, PJ's a writer. His last name is Penwell. His partner's name is J.P. Broadway, and he's an actor. His best friend is Campbell Sellers, who happens to be a real estate agent. And even the detective surname... I believe you pronounce it punchki, uh, and those are donuts found in Polish cuisine. So I just thought that was so clever, and wondered if you could tell us about your process for picking those character names. Right, right. I yes, I'm so glad you picked up on this, and I and I haven't really talked about this with anyone yet. Um, yeah. In the past, everything I've written, you know, I I usually write things based on people I know, or the characters are combinations of people I know. But I've always written, like, in my first book, which is about me, my name is Frank. Mm-hmm. His name is Jack. Now, it's not, I, I, I probably should have went with something like Hank. But my point is, like, I have a friend, Matt, and his character in my book is Max. Uh-huh. And I have a friend, Kelly, and her character is Shelly. Uh-huh. Like, I always did it in such a way where it's not the same name, but it's close enough that the people who know the person will know who I'm talking about, but I then I have to be careful if I say ne- anything negative. Right. So I nev- I've never done that. And when I went to playwriting school, I started to notice, like, playwrights and my classmates, they would do that, like, um, they would do that. And I thought, that's really kind of hokey, you know? Like, her name is, um, his name is Digger, and, like, he digs ditches. Like, talk about spot on. I thought that was just kind of silly. <laughs> But then when I started to write this book, I decided I want to do that thing that I've never done before because it's cozy, it's Mm -hmm. fun, it's expected, you know. Um, If people do think it's hokey, it's okay because it's meant 
to be charming and cute and funny. Right. So believe it or not, I actually have a Facebook friend whose name is Peter Penwell. Um, and his name just came to mind. Uh-huh. Um, so I borrowed his name. And then I knew a guy. He wasn't an actor. But, you know, for anyone who would say, oh, nobody's last name is Broadway. No, I actually knew a guy in Pittsburgh when I went to grad school whose last name was Broadway. Uh-huh. So then I just started thinking, you know, Campbell Sellers, he's a realtor. To be honest, we have a realtor in Pleasant Ridge. His name is Robert Campbell. So I took his Campbell and then the guy who owned the house that was born in this house that we live in, he didn't, we didn't get it from him because he died, but his name was Richard Sellers. Mm-hmm. So Campbell Sellers. Wow. Uh, and so then I just, I intentionally like tried to uh, do that and it got a little complicated, you know, it starts to get complicated and there, some of them, there really aren't good ways to do it. I have a, the mayor's wife, I chose Marshall. It's not quite the same. I realized later I should have just went with mayor, M-A-Y-E-R, mayor, mayor, mayor. Uh-huh. That would have probably been fun. But the Punchki Donut, yes, the Punchki Donut. Punchki. That is like, uh, that is like a, like a inside thing for all the Detroiters. Um, it is a Polish jelly donut. My, my partner Craig's family is Polish. Um, there's a little neighborhood called, it's, it's actually its own town, but it's in the middle of Detroit called Hamtramck. Uh, and we have this thing here. Well, everyone knows Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Um, but every Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, the punchkis are just like every, you know, they're just, you can't get them. Lines out the door. Um, you could literally go to this one bakery in Hamtramck any day of the year and get a punchki. But particularly on, on punchki day, they call it, which is Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Um, they're just like a jelly donut, but they're just like, so dense and so like they're just they're not like a jelly donut but they are a jelly donut Mm -hmm. and it's p-a-c-z-k-i uh and it looks like potchki or you know people don't really know how to pronounce it so i didn't want to name my police officer officer donut Um, (laughs) but we do have a lot of polish people in the detroit area so i went with punchki but i envision that um if it were, you know, said aloud, because there's supposedly going to be an audio book of this, and I hope they get it right, uh-huh. it would be like Patsky, because people always bastardize, you know, the names. Um, right. So it would be Officer Patsky, but of course, anyone who knows Punchki um, knows that it is a jelly donut. And that was a lot of fun, you know. It also informs the characters, you know. Um, it lets you know, like, right away, oh, this person's going to be this or this person's going to be like that mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah so and hokey or not like i feel like that was like a perfect thing to incorporate for like a cozy mystery audience right because we all love mysteries and we like to find little easter eggs in books so for a cozy audience that was just the perfect move yeah thank you i'm glad it, i'm glad it worked out yeah Definitely. And, you know, in so many culinary cozies, we get really vivid, mouth-watering descriptions of food. And I feel like you did the same thing in this book with home interior descriptions. So if it's okay with you, I would love to share a piece of description from your book that I just thought was really beautifully written. Yes, please. Okay. 
The interior was a craftsman aficionado's dream come true. Dark quarter sawn oak trimmed the windows and doorways, while tall wainscot panels covered the dining room walls, complete with a wide plate rail running along the top. On the white oak floors lay the finest of floral pattern William Morris wool rugs, right out of a Frank Lloyd Wright catalog. And I just felt like that painted such a beautiful... A picture of the setting. It pulled us in as readers. We felt like we were actually in the scene with the characters. So my question is how much research did you have to do on those home interiors before you started writing and how much did you just already know? Well, most of it, especially like that particular passage you read, uh, it's in the beginning of the book and they're over at a friend's house. Um, so it's not their own house. So that is that description is not from my own house. The ones that are my own house, I literally just looked around my own house and, you know, tried to write it in a way that it sounded nice. Yeah. But that one I kind of got from uh, something I said before. Like I was always look, I'm always looking on Zillow uh, for other houses or looking at historic houses on, you know, the accounts that I follow on Instagram and I find what I like and what I wish I had and like what my ideal details are. Uh-huh. And then I, and then I, you know, cause I, I, I'm, I'm not that creative that I can just make it up out of my head. I have to see it. And then I try to describe it. Right. It's a little hard in that way. Cause I say like a William Morris rug and well, if you don't know what a William Morris rug is, then you might be feeling a little left out. But if you do, then you know, but I also don't like to be the, I'm not the writer who's like describes every little thread or fiber or tells you that it's, you know, water lilies, purple and pink. And right. like, I don't, cause you don't want to take them, the reader too far out of the story. Mm-hmm. So I just do a lot of, um, you know, like the house that they renovate, it's a Tudor revival. And so I looked up Tudor Revival, the internet, it's a great tool. And I found like the exact Tudor Revival and then I, and then I describe it. And, uh, our house, we don't have the original 1920s bathroom. So I had to like research what does an original 1920s bathroom look like? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I just try to find creative and fun ways to convey that to the reader, um, without like being too overwrought. Right. Yeah. It was just the, the perfect amount to be like, uh, aesthetically pleasing and really set the scene without like taking us too far away from the plot. I really enjoyed that element. Oh, thank you. And it's also fun or easier too, when you write in first person, because, um, you only have to write what the narrator notices. Mm -hmm. So if the narrator isn't going to take note of you know, what's on that wall, you don't have to mention what's on that wall. You just mention what the narrator sees. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to to think about writing in first person. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of a cheat, but makes it easier. But it's authentic because like when we walk in a room as people, we aren't going to notice absolutely everything. And I think it even like helps to enhance your character's voice. Like what would this character notice? What would they not notice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't do a lot of description of what the clothes people are wearing unless it's significant to mm-hmm. why they're wearing it or why it's being noticed. Um, yeah, because you could like, you could, I've seen, I've read books where the writer will go on five pages of what 
of a glass sitting on a table and how it's sweating and the way the beads of water. And I'm just like, I don't need to know this. Yeah, it's beautifully <laughs> written and your, your, your Pulitzer Prize worthy, but right. how is that informing, helping me know about this story? Right. And, you know, in Cozies, we like the, you know, the faster paced novels. So it has to be like impactful, but succinct at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, in Renovated to Death, we kind of mentioned the subplot where PJ and JP are looking to adopt a dog, uh, just like you and your partner were in House Hunters. So did you guys find a pupper of your own? Yes. Um, and the answer is yes. In House Hunters, you, you, you or anyone who else sees it, we went to the Detroit um, Humane Society downtown and we looked at a little pair of dogs they were brother and sister dogs and they were so cute and so friendly and so lovable and they literally would have adopted them to us that day if we wanted them mm -hmm. but you know we had just moved here and we just got you know we're just getting this house and we were just like not ready yet right um but then right before the episode aired the following may um craig was away because he used had this job where he would travel a lot and I would was home all by myself bored and I started looking on like pet finder and adopt a pet um at the you know the available dogs and mm -hmm. we, we knew that we wanted a beagle um we knew that we wanted a beagle so uh I would look for beagles and then um I found this picture and I don't know Christy, if you've had a chance to see it, I have it posted. I've posted it before, but I found this picture of this little five-month-old half beagle, half pit bull mm -hmm. with like white, mostly white, but with half brown on his face, like a vertical line running right down his nose, half brown on one side, the little brindle. And over his other eye, there's just like this little half moon eye patch. Uh, and he looks... And this was like a professionally taken photograph. Mm -hmm. He's like, in, and he's wearing this little red puffy dog coat. Aww. And he's staring directly at the camera. And he looks so sad. And he has these little pink toenails. And his one ear, his head is kind of cocked to one side. And his one ear is kind of hanging over his face. And his name is Clyde. And I was just absolutely in love with that photo. And I texted, texted it to Craig. Um... You know, I said, I found the dog for us and I reached out to uh, the, the rescue agency or the rescue group. And long story short, before we had a chance to go and see him, he was adopted by someone else. Oh, no. And we saw the picture. We saw that, like, whenever you adopt a dog, they take your picture holding the dog, you know, the new family, whatever. He was adopted by this other dog, this other couple. And they posted this picture and we were devastated. And I did some more looking and some more looking and like nothing, no, no other dog was taking my, stealing my heart the way Clyde had. Uh, and then maybe a month later, I was looking again and the picture was back and Clyde was back. And we immediately like went to the pet store at the, sh at the, I don't know, not open house, but whatever, <laughs> the adoption event. Uh -huh. And we saw him. And we filled out an application. And again, like with House Hunters, I, I don't know. I, I grew up in this, like, it's so sad, but I grew up in this homophobic world where, like, they're not going to give them to a gay couple. Uh -huh. I don't know why I thought that. I really did. Like, I, 
I felt like I we didn't deserve, you know, for some reason. Um, and much like House Hunters, they called us up and they said, uh, we'd like to come do a home visit. And, you know, so we like puppy proofed the house. And, right. Um, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not giving it away anyone who reads the book because you know how it turns out in the end, but the journey is what's fun. And, right. Uh, and so, yes, we have Clyde and he just celebrated uh, eight years with us a few weeks ago. Aww. And a couple years after we got in, we adopted a second dog and his name is Jack. I love that. And I, I have to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Lori Leaf. Because, um, I, I mean, I've been like fangirling about this book all year. Um, and she knew that I'd been reading it and liked it. And after I wrote these questions and sent them to you, she messaged me and was like, Hey, do you know that Clyde Barker has his own Instagram account? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> so now I'm of course following him. Well, I was them, hoping, but thank, yeah, yeah, I know her, I, I follow her too. And thank you to her. Uh, I was hoping because I wrote it right in the book. You know, we we set up a fan page for Clyde at the Daily Clyde. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, though, we changed it. Or fortunately, when we got Jack, we changed it to at the Daily Clyde and Jack because uh-huh. I didn't want Jack to feel left out. Right. But I was really hoping that people will read the book and then they'll wonder, is this a real thing? And then they'll look for it and they'll find it. Because, yeah. yes, you know, like, it's so sad, you know, I, I don't know if you have pets or you've had pets but Mm -hmm. they're not with us for very long and so I really hope that this book will at least keep them you know going for many years to come and people will fall in love with them yeah exactly and we all just need you know more pupper pictures in our lives so we'll definitely the day that this episode airs um we'll definitely share uh, Clyde and Jack's Instagram account um, on our social oh. media pages too, so our listeners can follow them because they're so cute. Awesome. I don't do it on Instagram because I haven't really done videos. Maybe I've done a couple, but we have a Facebook page as well, and that's okay. where I usually post videos. And they're just, you know, it's always the same thing. They just run around and they fight and they wrestle. and But that's like, that, they just love it, and it just yeah. gives us such joy. And Jack's birthday is actually tomorrow. He's going to be eight. Oh, happy Fine. birthday doesn't to look Jack. over too, you know, and they're just great. And and the thing about them and this, you know, and I say this in the next book, Jack is a Jack Russell. He's a Parson Russell, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people don't know what Parson Russell is. But other than the shaggy fur and Jack has a short tail, they look exactly alike. Same half brown on uh-huh. the one, same side, same half eye moon eye patch on the same you know it's just like we saw the picture of jack and we learned how that he was in need of adoption and i literally like tracked him down and got them to give him to us because Mm -hmm. i just knew that this you know this was the one and it was a little rough at first but they love each other now and so great we're so happy yeah, isn't that funny? Like we uh, had the same experience when we got our little dachshund. I saw her picture because I was looking at dachshunds and there were so many dachshunds and like just scrolling and scrolling and then you see the picture and you're like, that is the one, you know, it's just such a, a surreal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, puppers are just the best. Um, and then, and, you know, like there are kids, you know, yeah. we don't have kids. We don't. I don't mean to say we don't want kids because that sounds so negative, but like there are kids and 
Yeah. It's sweet. You can leave them home on their own. You don't need a babysitter. Yeah, absolutely. We choose to uh, spend as much time with them, them as we can. Yep. We uh, don't have children either. So our, our pets have absolutely been our babies and we just love them so much. They're so pure and just bring you so much joy. Yes. Yeah. And now every cozy needs a good pet. Uh, it is kid, a requirement you know? of the genre. Yeah. Um, I even suggested for book two that they put the dogs on the cover because I would just love to see that. Oh, um, yes. Not sure if they're going to or not, but... I was thinking, oh, man, they could have put Clyde on this cover and mm-hmm. then Clyde and Jack on the next one. That would be so fun to have your cute little dogs the on there. When they see the book on the shelf right away, there's going to be a dog in the story. Yeah. Or a cat or whatever. And we we love that as cozy readers. We love the cozy mystery pets. Yeah. And we also love our cozy communities. And Pleasant Woods is just such an adorable small community in the suburbs of Detroit. So were you inspired by any fictional communities when you were writing the novel? Well, I found that that was interesting. That question is interesting because um, I don't remember if I told you this or if you're aware, but Pleasant Woods is a fictional community. Oh, wow. Um, Again, with the names, every story I've written before, every book, has always been set in the real-life town that I grew up in, which is called Hazel Park. But when I set out to write a cozy, uh, I was like, well, it's a cozy. It needs to be like Cabot Cove. So I was like, we have. I live in Pleasant Ridge. Uh-huh. And next door, we have a town called Huntington Woods. Okay. So I was like, I'll just combine the two. So Pleasant Woods, uh, in this book, there's a town called Fern Ridge, which comes from Ferndale and Pleasant Ridge. Okay. There's another town called Royal Heights, which comes from Royal Oak and Madison Heights. And then there's another town called where PJ grew up called Madison Park, which comes from Madison Heights and Hazel Park. And that was my way sort of with the names of like choosing, making them not real, but anyone who knows the real We'll uh-huh. see the fun in the real. Um, and the, really, seriously, the thing about being a writer is if you said, if I said it in Pleasant Ridge, and then I said, he ran, he owned a little antique store on the corner, I would get dozens of messages from people saying, there is no antique store in Pleasant Ridge. You know, right. but in a cozy mystery, you got to have like certain things. And unfortunately, our town is a historic town. But we don't have that little main street Mm -hmm. with the shops and the, you know, we have a little diner. There's a diner in the book. Um, We do have a little diner. The diner in real life is called um, the Whistle Stop. And in my book, it's called the Depot Diner, you know, so paying homage, but without actually uh, keeping it. So I was inspired by my town and the nearby towns. and then, you know, and that's the other thing, like I'm, I'm my my third book, um, I'm short, sort of starting to work on it now. And uh, it's probably going to involve a haunted house. Cool. Um, and, you know, there are no haunted houses that I know of in my town. And the, the way I see the haunted house, you know, is not like any house that is here. And so if I said it in a real place and I wrote about a house that was like that, someone's going to tell me that I'm wrong and you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be 
right. told that you're wrong. So if you make it up, you can make it up any way you want. I love that. And it's fun that it has like, you know, more little Easter eggs from real life for readers to find. That's so much fun. Yeah, like in the in Pleasant Woods, there's a street that runs down the middle and there's one side and then there's the other and one side. The east side is the Peasant Woods side and the, the west side is the Pleasant Woods side and has the big, nice, rich, fancy homes. But in Pleasant Ridge, we have that, too. So um, just a little bit of a, a little bit of a fun um, way as a writer to have a little fun with things. Yeah. And I am just so excited for more books in this series. Um, so you mentioned that you are working on book three. You told us a little bit about book two, but can you tell us anything else about what you're working on now? Um, well, I'm just, I'm finishing the, the rewrites on book two, which is rehearsed to death. They're doing a play at the local community theater uh -huh. and the director dies. Um, and then I'm hoping I'm working with the illustrator. He's been, um, he's read my script and he's been coming, doing character designs of the characters and sending, sending them to me. And that's been really, um, fun and interesting in that I, you know, as a writer, you have these visions in your mind of what they look like. Right. So other than the script, I didn't really give him any, like, just, you know, instructions. I just wanted him to read the script and show me what he thinks they look like. And he's been doing that. And there's been a few that he's like gotten, they're totally different than what I imagined, but it works uh -huh. and we're collaborating. And part of collaborating is that, you know, it's not just my story anymore, even though I wrote it, mm -hmm. there were a couple things that, you know, I wasn't quite pleased with and I gave him a few notes and he fixed it and it's all good. And, um, so we're working on that and the goal is to have it ready to, we have to put together a proposal with all the characters and we have to do like sort of an, uh, I'm going to say an outline, but like a sample, like a 20 page sample where he will draw little thumbnail sketches. They won't be fleshed out or look like the actual, um, finished pages of a book, but they will be like rough sketches and then he'll do like three or five finished ones uh and we're going to submit it to some publishers and crossing our fingers that we can get that published and then uh i have i have still um the guest room and the office in this house and the downstairs staircase all need to be um you know tackled so i've got to work on those and we're actually coming up on the 100-year anniversary of our house in 2024. Oh, cool. And my goal is to have everything finished by then because every year in our town, we have like a historic home tour. Mm -hmm. And I really want to put our house on the historic home tour so that we can have people in. Because the sad part is when we moved into this house in 2013, we had, you know, we invited our neighbors over and our friends over and we had this attitude of like, well, this is a work in progress and we just moved in and, you know, mm -hmm. what you see isn't how it's going to be. Right. And I'm so sad. I'm so embarrassed to admit, Christy, but we haven't had any of our neighbors in our house since um, like June of 2014 yeah. because we just got to the point where like their houses are so nice and their houses are so fixed up and they have nice furniture and like we're living on this Ikea stuff and things we... <laughs> picked off the streets of New York and 
So we don't want to have them back until it's all finished. Well, it's taken a lot longer to finish. So I really want to sure. get it finished so that I can have some people over and see it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll uh, definitely be keeping our fingers crossed as well for the graphic novel and watching for Rehearse to Death to hit the shelf. Do you think it'll be May 2023? Yeah, it's again, it comes out the last Tuesday in May and it's technically it's a June pub. But yeah, May, uh-huh. I think it's going to be May 30th, 2023 is the on sale date. Okay, perfect. And then definitely we'll keep watching uh, your Instagram account for more home updates as well, because those are just so much fun, especially, you know, given the type of book that you write. It just it's so much fun to also have that added layer of home renovation on your Instagram. Thank you. I did a few videos, actually, and I just need to sort of edit them and put them together, like showing the process, Uh, because it is it's a visual thing. You want to like the before and the after, you know, and seeing, and, you know, seriously, like if someone, maybe there's someone out there who like doesn't has this project they want to do, but they don't really know how to do it. And if I can sort of give them a little guidance um, mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, impetus, then why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like how culinary cozy authors post videos of themselves making recipes. It's the same kind of thing. And we as readers love it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great that we have so many options of ways to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, before we wrap up, do you want to leave our listeners with some cozy mystery book recommendations as well? Um, well, I know, I believe I mentioned The Devil's Chew Toy by Rob Osler, mm-hmm. uh, which is a which is a cozy. Um, there's another series that I read when I was researching. Um, it's by an author named Lee Hollis. And Lee Hollis is actually two writers. Uh, his name is Rick Kopp. And then his he writes with his sister, I believe. And uh-huh. her name is um, Holly. So Lee Hollis comes from Holly, I guess. Uh-huh. But um, they have a series called, they have a few series. But the one that I really like is called... Um, well, it's a palm leaf retirement village series, and it's Poppy Harmon is the is the sleuth, and the first book is called Poppy Harmon Investigates, and basically it's like this Palm Springs sort of retirement community, and Poppy and her friends, and you know they're all like, I think maybe early sixties, so they're not quite little old ladies, but uh-huh. um, but she is actually like she has an amateur, she has like a detective agency, so she's sort of already in the biz. Um, and I just love it because Rick Kopp is a former TV writer. And so he kind of does what I do where he really sets it up and he really introduces us to the characters uh, and gives everyone motivation and reason to, you know, do what they do uh, before somebody gets knocked off. And, um, and he has a really witty sense of humor. I believe he wrote, um, well, I know that he worked on the original Brady Bunch movie that came out way back oh. in like the late 90s. Yeah. I think he may have even written for the Golden Girls at one point. How fun. So he just has that fun sensibility. And his his char- character group of women, they're sort of like the Golden Girls, but mm-hmm. not quite as old. Um, those those are fun. And then I also, um, you know, everybody loves Joanne Fluke. Right. Um so I, I, I always like to see what she's working on. And then I watch The Murder She Baked with 
uh, Allison Sweeney because I grew up watching Days of Our Lives, uh-huh. and it's just great to it's just great to see it like right. come to life in front of you. Yep. I love that. Those are such great recommendations. Um, and then one that I would love to leave our, our, leave our listeners with um, is uh, Killing in Costumes by Zach Bissonette. And so this is the first book in a new series. It's about a former soap opera star turned movie memorabilia museum, museum curator. And it's set in Hollywood. Have you? Yeah, it sounds like so much fun. And it also features a queer main character. And, you know, we obviously need more LGBT cozies. So I'm really excited to pick that one up. Um, And he's going to be on the show soon as well. So that'll be fun. Oh, great. Yeah, I am connected with him and I can't wait for it. I think I believe it's set in Miami Beach and I just love it down there with all the art deco and yeah, so it's, that's going to be great. Cool. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Well, uh, that's all of our questions for today. And listeners, as a reminder, Renovated to Death is out now from Kensington. So if you want to feel good read, definitely grab it from your local bookshop. And before we sign off, Frank, do you want to tell everyone how they can connect with you online? Sure. Um, everything is... Usually Frank Anthony Polito. So my Instagram is at Frank Anthony Polito. My Facebook author page is at Frank Anthony Polito. My website is www.frankanthonypolito.com. And my Twitter is the only one that's different, and that's at F.A. Polito. Um, Frank Anthony Polito was way too long, and mm-hmm. I get it because I hate – and every time I go somewhere and they're like, email address, and I'm like, uh, my – Three long names. Um, and anyone, you know, you, you can write to me, message me. I really do like to hear from people, and I and I try to answer everything I can. It gives me an excuse to not do what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I just love to um, hear from people. And I've made, over the years, I've made some great connections with people that I consider friends and that I see and get together with. And it's just really Nice. And, you know, maybe if you're a gay couple out there and you're renovating a historic home house and you actually found a body at the bottom of a staircase and you want to <laughs> let me know how that experience was and how mine, how I've captured it in my book, what you were going through. I would love to hear that. <laughs> I love that. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Frank. It was seriously such a pleasure chatting with you. I had such a great time. Oh, me too. And I'm sorry that I've rambled on for so long, but um, I could talk for days and I really, really appreciate uh, all your enthusiasm and your comments and your compliments. And um, and I appreciate that you do this podcast for authors and books and that you have your uh, Insta for authors and books and that you just love books. We just we need more people like you. And we are also grateful Oh, thank you. That means so much to me. And you know, this podcast is specifically for rambling. So we would love to have you come on and ramble about books with me anytime. It was so, so much fun. Oh, thank you. I'll definitely be back uh, next year and if not sooner. Good, good. And, you know, thank you listeners as well for tuning in. We will be back soon with another episode of Get Cozy Podcast.
That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy. Thank you.